What's up, cool cats and cuties? This is the Promenade Merchants Podcast, a Star Trek podcast out on the frontier. So sit down and grab a rock to Gino as David Majors and Heather Kirby talk all things Star Trek. Old, new, and what's to come. The Promenade Merchants are open for business. Greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the Promenade Merchants Podcast, your favorite Star Trek podcast, favorite, completely independent Star Trek podcast. It's just me, David Majors, and the occasional recording issues, and the incredibly, infinitely patient Heather Kirby. What's up, Heather? See, I'm just patient because I don't have to deal with the technology issues and I make you deal with it. So that makes me the patient one. Well, this is, this was my grand idea. So it, it falls on me when we have recording issues like we did with the last episode. So we're doing it again, but we're back. We're here. Uh, I'm back from my shore leave. Heather is here and we're good to go. And we're going to talk about some Star Trek stuff, everybody. There's been a lot of Star Trek stuff in the last year or so since we started this podcast. So admittedly, right now, with shows in production, we're in a bit of a lull as far as Star Trek goes. But we know there's more coming. So in between time in the meantime, we have things like old business where we talk about everything sort of from the original series up to and including the Kelvin universe. And that's what we're going to jump into right now. We're going to start with the old business. Uh, every once in a while, and I see this all across the Trek community, all, all over the place. There's this idea of characters that are supposedly hated or get a lot of flack. Uh, and I've always found that there are certain characters who get reactions like that that I've never totally understood. So I'm going to throw this one out to you, Heather, and I would love to hear from all of you out there. Send us a tweet at promtrekpod.com. Let's let's have a conversation. Let's have a little dialogue. You know, let's, let's have a little bit of the, the back and forth a little bit uh, about some Star Trek, everybody. At promtrekpod on Twitter. Send us an email, promenadetrekpod at gmail.com. Uh, Heather, I'll ask you, I'll put it out there. Is there a Star Trek character out there in the franchise that you see gets a lot of hate and dislike and scorn and consternation that you kind of feel like maybe gets kind of a raw deal? You don't understand where the hate comes from. You know, I, I, I mean, there's definitely some characters that automatically go to the top of my mind when it comes to this subject. But I wanted to talk about someone who's a little bit more of a deeper cut, and that is Vedic Burial from Deep Space Nine. I don't understand why people hate him so much. <laughs> I could not agree with you more on Vedic Burial. I always really liked him. I always felt like he was a good counterbalancing point to Kira Norris on DS9, I felt like he played the role of someone being a spiritual Bajoran that wasn't bad, uh, someone that saw 
Benjamin Sisko was the emissary as someone to respect and be friendly and cordial with, as opposed to trying to usurp them or remove uh, Captain Sisko. I felt like Beryl was a, a useful, good character to have around. But I think the thing that I saw from a lot of people, Heather, is that Beryl was, quote, boring, unquote. And, and I don't know. I never saw it that way. How about you? Um, yeah, I definitely don't consider him boring. I think um, he definitely has more of a quiet presence to him. When you you look at the other, especially the other Vedic characters and the Bajoran religious uh, characters, they're kind of like over the top and have a very distinct presence. And Beryl has a very calming and quiet presence about him. And the people who like to hate on him call that boring. But I just kind of see it as like, a, you know, a, a more... What, uh, the, when it came to Beryl, uh, I loved how you described him as, as calm. Uh, I always kind of used the word stoic with Beryl. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of his character was very grounded and calm because, and I'm saying this is not necessarily the most religious person or the, the most faithful person, but I think that he was someone that was very grounded with his spirituality. Uh, he, in a lot of ways, was a monk in, in a lot of ways. He, he worked in the Bajoran ministry. He, uh, protected one of the orbs. He, he was very faithful to the Bajoran religion and he was very grounded. He was not someone that tried to seek power or influence with the government or anything like that. He was just kind of one man walking a very calm, very spiritual path. Uh, I would almost say he was to a degree enlightened. Uh, through his his spirituality and he he always had kind of a calmness to him that none of the other vedics really had and to go back to what i said about him and narice i think that they were a great yin yang pairing because especially in the early seasons kira narice was still very much fresh from the occupation still very hostile very mistrusting and still kind of a Bajoran fighting freedom fighter. Whereas Beryl in many ways was a calming spiritual influence that helped her follow her path, helped her understand the will of the prophets. And I think they balanced each other out really well. And I was really disappointed when he was written out. Yeah, see, I, I, you very much put it into words what I was trying to find there. But I really think it, it's kind of interesting how they handled uh, the the Vedics, the the different Vedics that you see on the show, because I mean they're all the same religion, but they kind of represent different religions that we know of and to me like someone like Vedic Wynn 
is more a representation of like the Catholic Church, and then you have someone like Vedic Barile, who's almost more of a representation of like Buddhism. So they're two very different things, but they were put in the same structure. And so I think that's when kind of people look at the characters and they're like, oh, well, she she's over the top and he's not, so he's boring. But if you look at it in a different way, you can understand the character better. And we can officially say here at the Promenade Merchants podcast, Barile is not boring and Barile did nothing wrong. Yes. Yes, and I hated that they wrote him out, too. I, I, I really thought did, too. He really brought something to at least his relationship with Kira and his relationship with, with Cisco and some of the other characters on DS9. And um, it, I thought it was a shame to write him out and kill him off in that way. I completely agree. Uh, th- there is another character that I think that... I, I don't know if you'll agree with me on this one. And no, everybody, it is not Neelix. I have already spoken my piece on him. Malcolm Reed from Enterprise. Uh, for some reason, I remember, especially very early on in Enterprise's first run, Malcolm Reed, Lieutenant Malcolm Reed, uh, armory officer of the NX-01, he seemed to be the most disliked character on Enterprise. By far. Uh, people liked Archer. People loved T'Pol. Uh, I think everyone kind of eventually came around on Trip Tucker and Flocks. But consistently, for the longest time, people really disliked Malcolm Reed. And I never fully understood why. Uh, I, I always thought, is it because he's a little kind of uptight and British? I don't know. Uh, is it because of the whole Section 31 thing? I don't know. Uh, I always thought he got along really well with, with Trip. They were kind of a, a buddy cop dynamic in a way where they would occasionally get on some wacky adventures. And I thought they were really good together. And I thought Reed on the bridge did everything you could ask him to do in Star Trek. He was a, a good weapons officer, a good tactical officer. He did all of those things well. I really never got the hate people had from Malcolm Reed. I mean, you know, he is the inventor of the Red Alert, <laughs> which started out as the Reed Alert. <laughs> but, yeah, I, 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 it's another one I don't completely understand the hate there um he is was definitely initially at least in some of the early episodes written as very uptight and very british and ironically i know some british people who weren't convinced that dominic keating was actually british because they thought his accent was horrible (laughs) no no you guys need to listen to yourselves sometimes so um yeah, I I just I I think one of the things that Reed suffers from probably slightly more than a character like uh Hoshi Hoshi Sato or Travis Mayweather is the fact that they tried to give him some storylines but he, you just didn't get enough time with the character to get to know him as well as 
uh, the big three, the main characters on Enterprise, Archer, Trip, and T'Pol. So as much as they tried to write him in here and there, they didn't really give uh, fans enough time to understand and get to know the character in a way that they would appreciate him better. And and so that's what he really suffers from, in my opinion. And it's really a shame because there was some stuff there. Like You think about the fact that here is a regular character on a Star Trek show that was secretly working for Section 31. Like they, they did some things with that, but if Enterprise got a few more seasons, they could have done so much more with that. And that's just so cool. Uh, and going back to his friendship with Trip Tucker, that was something they really could have expanded upon, uh, I think. And he was one of those characters that they seemed to have put in a little bit more effort into. Uh, even through the series, beyond the big three. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas, unlike Hoshi and Travis, they really didn't do much with them until like the last season. They seemed to put in at least a little bit of effort with Malcolm Reed, and probably just wasn't enough. Which is a shame, because I think he, he was actually pretty cool. I always kind of liked him. Yeah, and you know, one of the things I... I always realize from people who are fans of the character is that one of the the things they always connect his character to is his relationship with major Hayes, which I mean, that only lasted a season, not even an entire season because major Hayes gets killed off, but just having him have a back and forth and a, a long lasting, um, go around and storyline with another character on the ship made people connect to the character more. I mean, think about if they would have done that on a regular basis for the character, then they would have definitely liked him more. I I think we're, we're pretty much on the same page. Uh, see everybody, we did that and I won't talk about Neelix. We'll move on. <laughs> we'll move into the new business that everyone has already probably heard. Uh, LeVar Burton, uh, you might have heard of him from Reading Rainbow and Roots and a couple of other things. I don't know. Uh, is going to get his chance. Uh, if Unless you've been living under a rock and you're just not on the internet very much. There has been a strong campaign for LeVar Burton to be the official host of Jeopardy! to replace the late, great Alex Trebek. And amongst others, uh, he will be getting a week-long audition uh, to host Jeopardy! Uh, This uh, fan campaign for LeBart Burton included a petition on Change.org of over 200,000 signatures. So this was coming from all over the place. Uh, Star Trek fans, reading Rainbow fans, just everyone that has been touched and influenced by LeVar Burton's work. Uh, There really hasn't been anyone else quite like this as far as the idea of replacing Alex Trebek as the host of Jeopardy. Uh, I think in a lot of ways, if you look at the internet, it really is his to lose. 
and it's going to happen July 26th through the 30th. Uh, so, Heather, uh, here on the podcast before, uh, you and I have talked about what happens sometimes when the internet gets very loud and makes demands and businesses kind of acquiesce to those demands. Uh, we saw that with Star Trek Strange New Worlds, and now we're seeing that with LeVar Burton. Uh, what do you think about LeVar Burton's chances to be on Jeopardy? Well, first off, I, as I have obviously, so I want to keep the same position that I have with Strange New Worlds, and I don't believe <laughs> in fan petitions and uh, fans banding together to get businesses to acquiesce to their will. That being said, I'm really happy that this worked out for LeVar. Um, and I'm really glad that he's getting a chance to show his skills and guest host because this is something that, like, it didn't just come out of the blue. It's something that he actually tweeted on Twitter, like, back in 2017 or something. So at least, like, four years ago stating that when Alex Trebek retired, his dream job was to get to host Jeopardy. And so it's something that he's wanted for a long time. It's something that the fans got behind. And not even just the fans. I mean, we were talking, that petition was shared by other members of Hollywood, like industry professionals getting behind this this petition to give him a chance to guest host on the show. So that's saying a lot about LeVar's character and how he is really not just revered by the fans, but also revered by his peers. Um, I'm so glad he's getting the chance. And it definitely is his to lose, I think, because when they announced, (laughs) when Jeopardy tweeted, the Jeopardy... uh, site on Twitter tweeted about their last set of guest hosts for this season and they listed all their names and then they had LeVar's at the bottom with an exclamation point next to it and nobody else had an exclamation point I mean come on it's just the little signs there that are saying hey it really is his job to lose and uh I hope he succeeds I do definitely although this may or may not impede on him in a future season of Star Trek Picard. So we'll just have to see and leave that open. I mean, he stated, like I mentioned in the weekly Trek episode I did last week, he stated unequivocally that he was not going to be in season two. But he definitely hinted around the idea of him being in season three. But honestly, if he gets the job, would it really impact him? Because, I mean, Picard films in L.A., Jeopardy films in L.A. <laughs> you know? He could so, probably make it work. He could probably make it work, yeah, if he was going to show up on Picard. I, I, I think if he, he gets the job, he could definitely make it work. And if he does get the job and somehow can't make it work and showing up in Picard, the fans would be okay with that because they'll just be happy that he's hosting Jeopardy. <laughs> 
and we we wish him the best of luck with everything and even if there's some more with him reading and introducing books to the youths we we hope for that too because don't ever forget reading rainbow people never forget reading rainbow moving on to another alumni of the next generation michael dorn uh he put out a tweet that he was called back into action for starfleet on april 19th and then it turned out to be an ad and it was an ad for the new star trek legends game on apple arcade uh, just reading from the bio of the game. Engage in an epic storyline for control of the mysterious Nexus and the fate of the universe as players step into the role of their favorite Star Trek heroes and villains in the hit franchise's official team-based RPG. So it looks as though from this mission that Worf and other Star Trek characters will be stuck inside of the Nexus. Shout out to all of the Star Trek Generations fans. And it's you're going to get to play uh, as commander of the USS Artemis, which Worf was calling from. And I guess go on away missions and, and have some fun in Apple Arcade. Uh, it looks like right now it's only on Apple Arcade. Hopefully it will uh, go out to other platforms. Uh, Heather, I remember personally seeing this and I saw the hashtag ad on this tweet. And I, I believe I was talking with Alex Perry at the time, uh, host of Weekly Trek, where we both kind of agreed, yeah, it's probably for a game. It's probably not anything too monumental. And, yeah, it ended up being a game, and it ended up being a mobile game on Apple Arcade. Um, not exactly an earth-shattering announcement, but, hey, people are some people are going to enjoy it, right? Oh, yeah. Um, I definitely think Michael Dorn upped his troll level with that tweet, because it had people getting all excited, and then... When they realized it was for a game, they were just kind of like, oh, <laughs> okay. Uh, but the the game does look to be really cool. Um, I'm not a fan of the fact that it's only released on Apple Arcade. Um, because even as someone who has an iPhone, you still have to pay an extra like five bucks a month. Uh, to subscribe to Apple Arcade, and that's the only way you can get access to the game. So that kind of sucks. Uh, but anything new, any new products that they're putting out is always something good for the franchise, uh, no matter the type or how it's set up. So it's always something good. I always want it to ex succeed because that just means we'll get more more new stuff after that. And anybody out there, if you're playing Star Trek Legends on Apple Arcade, please let us know at PromTrekPod on Twitter or send us an email. Uh, I I'm genuinely curious if it's enjoyable, if it's fun, uh, if it does come to Android devices. Uh, I might at least give it a download and give it a look. Uh, I'm curious. So if you're out there playing Star Trek Legends, uh, let us know. Lead the Ultimate Away team and, and tell us... Tell us how it goes. 
Uh, let's move into upcoming business because we got some news from the main man, Alex Kurtzman, uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, saying that the line uh, from TrekMovie.com, the line between the movies and television is gone in Star Trek. I think that because of Paramount Plus and the Viacom CBS merger and all of this business, things are starting to come together regarding the Star Trek franchise. Uh, Kurtzman says, I think vertical alignment has made it so that it's impossible not to accept the reality that the line between movies and television is gone. It doesn't mean that you can't have a feature that is separate from television, but if they aren't interconnected in some way, then you're basically running two universes parallel as opposed to interconnected. And I think those messages could potentially cancel each other out. So, Heather, uh, when I read this story and I heard or read Kurtzman say the line between movies and TV are gone, I remembered that there is going to be a Star Trek film made and we have a release date for it. And I remembered that the person writing this Star Trek movie uh, is someone that worked on Star Trek Discovery. And it made me think, oh, there's a good chance we're getting a Star Trek Discovery movie. I think we might be getting a Discovery movie, Heather. That's what this makes me think. Well, you know, my my first thought at that article was, hey, Alex Gertzman still isn't fired. (laughs) (laughs) My second thought um, is that... I think the Kelvin universe is finished Uh, because I really think that's what he was implying there uh, that they were not going to continue with Kelvin universe movies because then you would have a separate movie universe as compared to the stories that they're doing on TV. Um, So that goes along with my suspicion, uh, especially knowing what we know about the next Star Trek movie and who it's being written by, that I I don't want to sit there and call it a Star Trek Discovery movie because I think Kurtzman is really working to combine the Star Trek universe as a whole, um, even though we have multiple different shows. But I do think that the movie is going to be set in the television universe as we know it now. And it will somehow connect back to one of the shows that is currently on Paramount+. Plus, Whether it be Star Trek Discovery, whether it be Star Trek Picard, whether it be Strange New Worlds. Because right now all three of them are set in different time frames in the Star Trek universe. Uh, So... I definitely think that the movie that they're planning will connect back to the TV shows. Um, But it might not be in a direct way uh, because like the, the movies that they did before the TNG movies and the TOS movies, there wasn't really a line in between them either. Um, They were still part of the same universe and they still made it known that they were in the same universe, even if it was just them finding a way 
to pull Worf off the Defiant <laughs> so he could be on the Enterprise for that movie. Uh, it still lets you know that it was in the same universe as the television shows that were going on at the time frame, especially okay, for TNG. Okay, so Heather, Heather, yeah. how, how would we get for this movie, how would we get the Discovery crew, or at least some of them, back to the time that they came from, or maybe to run into the crew of Strange New Worlds? How do you do it? <laughs> hmm. Well, that's the the thing. It it all depends on what time frame it's set in. Um, It could be set in the time frame just before Discovery premiered um, and just before the Klingon War and when Discovery was still in that timeline and the Enterprise with Pike at the helm was still in the same timeline. Like it, it all, it all just depends on the, the time frame that they're set there. Um, there's also the possibility considering they're still throwing around what they're going to do with the section 31 show. Um, it could have something to do with the guardian of forever. We know where that is and where it exists in discovery's time that they're currently in. So, there's a possibility that they could use that to go back in time and interact with um, earlier crews or, or different time frames. There, there's it, it's science fiction, so they could find some way to connect these together, or it could literally be something that it's not actually the crew of the Discovery, but it's like some side character like Lorca or Giorgio that's the main focus of the film and it's going to only gradually or oh I can't think of the right word today <laughs> but it, it, it's only going to involve the crew of the discovery at a distance and not as the main focus of the film uh, it could be something involving the Klingons because they've talked they've talked about having a Klingon centric film so it could be something involving the Cleons of that time frame and Laurel and Ash. Uh, You just don't know. I mean, there's so many opportunities and directions that they could take this. And we know absolutely nothing about that's the the best part. I think we don't know anything right now. And I was just thinking of something that I might like to see that has only been hinted at here and there in the Star Trek franchise. And I'm only just going to say three words about it. The Temporal Wars. I feel like there is a lot there that has never been fully explored in the Star Trek universe. And I'd really love to see something done with that eventually. Uh, I think that the temporal war is the idea of time and space and not to get too Doctor Who about it uh, in the Star Trek universe. I think that's something you could really explore. You could see what happened with the Federation over centuries or the Klingons or, or all of this that that you could really just explore anything with with the temporal wars and i think that there's there's a lot of possibilities and that that's what's so cool about all of this is that because there's so little it means that there are infinite combinations we could 
we could have a a Neelix standalone movie for all we know. <laughs> uh, and yeah, it's it's there's really nothing that is impossible right now as long as Alex Kurtzman isn't fired again. It's pretty much the sky's the limit from there. Oh yeah, uh, what, uh, wibbly wobbly timey wimey means anything can happen for sure. You know th- that is that is one thing that just to deviate a little bit. Uh, the twelfth Doctor, uh, in the very beginning, he was like a college professor, and he was he had this big chalkboard where he was writing stuff out, and it was like, oh, that must be like the thing, the the time travel formula or something. And I like that they at least did something to at least try and explain it a little bit. Like they never fully did. Like it's still wibbly wobbly timey wimey, but at least they tried to pretend that there was some science behind it. So I appreciated that uh, Professor Twelve, as I called him, <laughs> he had at least some kind of semblance of an explanation. And since this is science fiction, and Star Trek has always had some kind of explanation for uh, traveling through time, um, maybe they will with this. Again, we don't know, but that's the fun of it. That That's the whole fun of it, Heather. Right now, there's so much more Star Trek coming. Like, admittedly, like we said at the top, Star Trek is in production, so there's not a ton of news right now. But we know there's more coming, and that's awesome. Yes. Yes, we do. And uh, we're planning our next episode to be recorded around Memorial Day weekend. It'll be after the CBS Upfront presentation where they announce all of their plans for their fall TV season. So hopefully we will have some more exciting Star Trek news to talk about then with our special guest. That will be none other than... The man behind Weekly Trek himself, Mr. Alex Perry. So tune in for that. Check your feeds for the next episode of the Promenade Merchants podcast. Thank you all for listening to this episode. We're available wherever you get your podcasts. Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, a.k.a. iTunes, wherever you may get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at PromTrekPod. Join the conversation. Send us an email, uh, and we'll we'll talk Trek with you. We'll talk Trek with you till you're blue in the face like an Andorian. <laughs> and yeah, everyone follow Heather at NerdyGal33 on Twitter. She's great. She changes her profile once a month. It's pretty cool. Never apologize for being nerdy. Uh, Heather's got your back. Uh, and yeah, especially if you like Law and Order SVU. So give Heather a follow at NerdyGal33. Uh, For Heather Kirby, I'm David Majors. Thank you all for listening. Walk with the prosper. Live long in profits. And Neelix really isn't that bad, everybody. (laughs) He's really not. (laughs) 